no better way to get better at football than playing football. So Taylor's gonna finish it. I've always been confident in my abilities. I think you know I'm a guy that can go out there, and I always believe in myself that I'm gonna get open and, and make the play if they throw me the ball. The third, right end zone shot for Pierce. He caught it. Oh, what a! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Colts Cast. We are here to talk about everything and anything Indianapolis Colts. My name is Eric Smith, co-host of the Colts Cast. Alongside me, as always, I have co-host Jamal Lawrence here. Yo, yo. Please be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at the Colts Cast, and our Instagram is at Colts Cast. Go ahead and follow us on YouTube as well. Like, subscribe, do everything under that video that you can on YouTube. We'd greatly appreciate it. Only for the diehard Colts fans, though, you know. We only take those. <laughs> Look, guys, we're officially in the postseason. We made it. Woo! We're, we're not in the we're not in the postseason you guys are thinking of right now. Not the good postseason, but if we are past the regular season, uh, the Indianapolis Colts did not make the playoffs as expected. You know, we we thought we were Super Bowl contenders with Matt Ryan. Mm, then funny that, you say that. Funny you say that. <laughs> that's neither here or there. So we're all going to be home in January watching football games. What now? Well, one, we need a new head coach. I expect that to be filled by the end of next month, probably. Maybe. Probably. I'm going to go with, yeah. Let's probably. go with probably. Two, we got to draft a quarterback. We really do. Like, no more Band-Aids, right? However, we want to talk about Chris Ballard today. Only Chris Ballard. On Tuesday, General Manager Chris Ballard met with the media to wrap up the 2022 season during his annual year-end press conference. There's a lot to dissect here. Jamal, where would you like to start? The fact that this should have been his last one. Actually, this shouldn't even been happening, but it's, it's clear. It's been made very crystal clear to me that it ain't the last one. But um, <laughs> before I go down that, Let's talk about let's talk about this this statement. Chris Ballard shows up late to the meeting. Supposed to start at ten thirty, started like ten forty four. Not salty or nothing. Don't worry about that. But after he walks up to the podium, he starts off by saying, "Look, I failed. I'm not gonna sit up here and make excuses, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Ultimately, it falls on my shoulders." Then he opened up for questions. Eric, does anything about that sound crazy to you? This is the first time. Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. This is the first time since 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. First time in Chris Ballard's tenure as the Colts general manager that he has come out and said, it's his fault. He failed. It falls on his shoulders. Now, you may be asking yourself, or you may be telling yourself, wow, what a courageous thing for Chris Ballard to do on such a fond day like this after we didn't make the playoffs. What a courageous thing. But then you have to ask yourself, why? Why, Eric? If you were out on a frozen, air quote, frozen pond, and all of a sudden you start to notice the, the glasses, or the not the glass, but the, the, the ice is starting to crack, you say, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. This thing may collapse from underneath me. You start making excuses. You start telling people what they want to hear. You call 911 and you ask them, and they ask you, what were you doing out there on the ice? Well, I thought the ice was thicker than what it was. It must be my fault for not checking before I went out there. All I'm hearing 
is Chris Ballard <laughs> is only saying this because the frozen lake is stalled. It's stalled. It's it. There's no. There's nowhere else for it to go. He's gonna drown. So he decided to finally take responsibility after Brady got fired, after Frank Wright got fired, after years and years of not making the playoffs. After all of this stuff happens, Ballard finally says, "You know what? It's my fault, guys. There's no one else to blame. It's my fault. He's There's no one to. else to blame. Can't blame the owner. Can't blame the head coach who's never never coached football besides high school. Can't blame anybody else." So you got to blame yourself. And people have just been eating it up. Oh, man, that's great. Glad he's finally taking accountability. Oh, man, that's good. All this is telling me, Eric, is Jim Ursay has allowed Chris Ballard to remain in that building, in his office, for at least one more season. That scares me. (laughs) Okay, I was going to go on a different note there. (laughs) I was going to say... I'm really glad Chris Ballard like is finally admitting this season was a failure. We need some we needed someone to say that. You know, quote, it falls on me, end quote. It does. I mean, we were saying that throughout the course of the season, like this is Chris Ballard's failure. But no one ever wanted to admit it. So he's finally admitting to his mistakes. It was refreshing for me. You know, I think personal accountability is a really good quality. Um I don't know. I I hear what you're saying, though. I, I didn't think about it. Like, this is the first time we've ever heard that from him. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It, I just want to say, before I let you go, that if you if you think back to the Jeff Saturday uh, presser when he first got introduced as the interim head coach, what did Chris Ballard do when they questioned him about about the, the O-line and the wide receiver class and all this stuff? He got butthurt. He was like, oh, you guys been on my ass all all year, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't even hold his tongue. Pressure. Pressure. You could feel it, man. You could feel the pressure building up. Fine pressure. Yeah, he he couldn't even he couldn't even admit it then. He couldn't admit it then. Because I'm sure he probably thought that something would turn around just a little bit, save himself, you know. But he didn't have a choice. Cop has a body cam or his dash cam. He sees you run a red light. You say up, swear for now. You didn't. I didn't run a red light. You get the court. They play the footage in front of the, the judge, and you say, ah, you know what? You're right. I, I probably did run that red light. Let me just go ahead and admit I did run it. It's too late now. It's too late. You wasted taxpayers' time and money. You got to take the fine. You got to get out. It's I too love late, these bro. metaphors. These are great. It's too late. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, uh, well, I don't know. It, it To see someone finally admit this season was a failure – I don't know. It just it just means something to me. It, we we finally admit we suck. We finally admit there's problems. He says he's going to address them. It sounds like he has to. Um, it it definitely means he's going to be here for at least another season. Um, I'm just hoping he can turn it all around. There's some there's some good things Chris Ballard has done in the past. You know, not not you know maybe a year ago we were talking about him being a top five GM in the league. You know, it just things change when you have a when expectations are set that high and you fall so low. So I don't know. I I want to be cautiously optimistic here. You know, there's a lot of quotes we're about to talk about that kind of keep you in that realm. Um, 
And a quote I thought with the really good players. Hold on, hold on. Before you read that quote, can I say one final thing? Yeah. In all seriousness, we were so optimistic about everything we had going on because he, he led us to believe that we didn't need a veteran receiver. We didn't need any more offensive linemen. We didn't need any additional weapons because he was comfortable with our core that we had. Everyone during the offseason said we need more linemen we, or better linemen. We need additional receivers, a veteran receiver. Everyone wanted T.Y. back. I, I'll be the first person to say that I didn't want T.Y. back, but I did say I wanted some kind of vet receiver in there. Uh, but Chris Ballard sold all of us the dream that we didn't need any of that. So I, 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 have, to, I, have, to, I have to say that some of these expectations were set and and believed in simply because he led us to believe that. Now, I know that, of course, the team is going to have, or the casual fan is going to have some unrealistic expectations as well. But I think that when problems were were presented to him, he sat back and said, watch me work. And it didn't work. Sorry, go to your quote. Well, no, this is a good segue because I was just about to talk about our offensive line and what he said about it. He said, quote, I thought with the really good, the three really good players we had coming back, he's talking about Ryan Kelly, Quinn Nelson, Braden Smith, we would absorb those other positions and they would come up to speed. So he's talking about the left tackle and right guard position. (laughs) You know, the fact that every Colts fan knew Matt Pryor wasn't it and we continued to start him. I really thought that was a monumental failure on the coaching staff, including Chris Ballard. Jordan Murray was getting blown up a lot. A lot. You know, right guard was never established. They were just cycling through different offensive line looks every week in the early season. You guys remember that? It was was like the Cupid Shuffle. I don't know what was going on. It was just a mess. But I do agree with Ballard that our offensive line played better down the stretch. But, again, he definitely underestimated the effect of those two spots as a work in progress. So I I guess I kind of... He thought the bridge would stay, you know, very stout like it was last season with, you know, two weak pillars or two pillars that were going to become strong maybe, going to come up to speed quicker. Never happened. Never happened. So... That was interesting what he said about the offensive line. I don't got anything to say about that, Jamal. Well, I could literally talk about the offensive line and dissect them for four and a half episodes, so I, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I can understand why you would think that. Uh, I, I seriously can. I mean, you have five people. You brought back three. So that's over, you know, that's over half. So you would assume that the rest can kind of be a plug-in, not so much a plug-in play, but for what it's worth, a plug-in play. And and in all honesty, our offensive line and like he said, they they set the, they set a high high standard. And I'm not saying that every offensive line in the NFL sucks because we know that's just not true. But the offensive line last year they did set the bar really high. So it's one of those things where where when you look at high how they did set it, if if we as the fans see anything less than that, then yes, you're automatically going to assume that everything's just a failure. But at the same note, as you mentioned, we all saw Matt Pryor struggling, and we all wonder why it took so long to get him out. That That's where that kind of stuff just bugs me, because I, I would be willing to, to bow down more to the fact that 
you had over 50% of your linebacks. You assume that we can make this work. Had there been more adjustments earlier on, I get, I get that you can't just pull someone out after one week or two weeks because that, that doesn't truly prove who they are. But after six, seven weeks, there's nothing left to see. There's nothing left to see. You've seen the same thing over and over, and you see it isn't going to get any better. You literally moved him down the entire offensive line except for center, and he still couldn't get the job done. So at what point do you just say, we need to cut this loss and go on about our day? Maybe week nine, week ten? It's too late then. So, Yeah. uh, Every fan, every Colts fan saw it. It just – it didn't work. I, I don't want to personally attack Matt Pryor. I don't want to come after him because I, I saw yeah, what people not. I saw what people did on his birthday when the Colts shouted him out on Twitter. You know, happy birthday, Matt Pryor. Those comments, I mean, you guys are I won't say you guys, but some of people, you guys. Yeah. Some of you people are absolutely horrendous. You you don't need to personally attack the man on his birthday. Um, he's still a human being. Let's let's be gentle with each other. But you got to just admit that Matt Pryor is not destined to be an NFL starter, at least for the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, kind of as soon as we put him back on the bench or put him behind the first stringers, the line did look better. You know, we started shuffling around, get, get Bernard Raymond some, uh, some reps and stuff, get Will Fries in there. Like, things start to look better. So, you know, it... I think that was one of the errors, and it. I, I think even in preseason he was struggling. So I I don't know what took so long, but hey, we're here now. We'll be back after a quick break. If if you look really well at the revenues of the different clubs and so on, like AC Milan uh, has had uh, a kind of dark time of uh, around the yeah. decade, right? You know, we we kind of. Uh, 15 years ago, we were leveled with Man United in terms of revenues, uh-huh. uh, Madrid and Barca, right? Sure. Like they've all taken off. They've all really developed commercially. AC Milan kind of stayed pretty much flat in terms of revenues until like three years ago, the new kind of leadership team came on board and started looking at things in a, in a, in a different way. So we also acknowledge, you know, we, we, we have a lot to do, uh, a lot. Yes, we are. We definitely are here. And, you know, just kind of looking at his failures, and again, like I said, this is not a personal attack on Matt Pryor because the entire offensive line of play was terrible. He's just a perfect example of when something's broken and you choose not to fix it. I just want to kind of move to to another quote that uh, Ballard said as well when he said, we live in a world where failure is not allowed. And, and that's a super strong statement because that's true. That's true. We do live in a world where failure is not allowed, especially – when we see all these other teams out there week in and week out just taking it to the next level. No, and and and, and it doesn't help that the Colts, historically, since 1999, because we won't talk about Peyton's first year uh, where it was 3-13, and 13, but since 1999, the Colts have historically been very well off. So failure for this team, below 500 seasons for this team, is something that you're not used to seeing. So... When we see something like we saw this year or some things we saw over the past three or four years, you start to question. You start to wonder. Uh, and, 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 and when we think of failure being not allowed, 
I so I think of it more as something where we are trying to set the standard of not only like we had it in the past, but also meeting the same standard as other elite NFL teams. Because right now we are below subpar. We are we are the bottom of the barrel. We're not even we're not even you know, we're not even the first layer. Like I mean, we're below the first we are we the lost base. to the Houston Texans at home. We yeah. are the bottom layer. Yeah, we're, yeah. No, no, no. We we are the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, you're right. You you absolutely right. Yes. I I don't care what anyone says. The Bears would beat us. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whoever's above us or below us that they'll beat us. So they got a free chance. Free chance. Yeah. So as much as I agree with what he's saying that we are in you know world where you can't fail, I also think that we have to be set up for success. And he talked about being set up for success and how we haven't been set up for success and how he thought we had been set up for success over the course of the past couple of years. And I'm not sure, Eric, if you have any quotes about that, but we'll get into that here in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, But I just think that he is right where we can't accept failure, but you can also, and you can can prevent some of the things that happen. You can prevent them. And, And it starts, it starts really this month with the head coach and then in April and then the entire off season. Yeah, I think he, he seems like he was specifically talking about, cause he, he talked about it later on the quarterback position and why he hasn't taken one and what his philosophy is. So quote, I can take one. He's talking about a quarterback. We can take one as an organization and you are going to celebrate it and say we got the savior for the Colts. And if he doesn't play well, then why did you take that guy? Yeah. So glad you got that. So glad you got that. Go ahead and do your thing. Yeah, I I, I think this is interesting. <laughs> you know, he, he wants to be right, not miss on a quarterback. Like you said, he doesn't he doesn't want to fail you. Yeah, th- I, I get that. I'm sure every GM does. You know, five years ago, if you would have told me, hey, Eric, we're going to value shop a veteran quarterback with our stacked roster to plug and play our way in the playoffs, I would have said, okay, that's fine. I understand the idea. I understand what's going on with that. Now, when it hasn't worked out for the second or third time, maybe something would be clicking in our heads saying, you know, this route isn't working. It's time to try something else time to try something new we haven't yet we just haven't that's the problem and it's taken this abysmal season to realize that hopefully for this front office because you know i i give props to chris bow he's drafted a lot of great players going back to his days at kansas city just even as just a director he he helped draft travis kelsey Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was a fifth rounder. Marcus Peters. You know, Travis Kelsey was a third round pick. Like He definitely grabs talent at value. Then we look at what he's done for the Indianapolis Colts. Got Quinn Nelson. You know, say what you want about this season, but this man's been an all-pro, pro pro bowler, everything. Shaquille Leonard, second rounder. Braden Smith, second rounder. Zaire Franklin, seventh rounder. And Jonathan Taylor, second rounder. I could go on. But, but Jamal, if I go on and on and on, you'll start to notice something that's missing. One position. Dun, dun, dun. I'll give you a hint, everyone. 
<laughs> it's a position that's widely viewed as the most important, most important position in all of sports. It's what you see all over ESPN, the faces of every team. Do you need any more hints? Quarterback. The only quarterback he's taken a shot on is with Sam Ellinger, a six-round pick in 2021. Boy, I don't even know why you mentioned that name right now. Go ahead. Other than that, it has been veteran rotations. And if we talk about Sam Ellinger, if we really talk about him, he hasn't gotten many chances. Even though we've seen what he's done with his chances, and I can tell you, yeah, I'm I'm good with still drafting the quarterback this year. That's not the point. He hasn't had the chance. <laughs> it's just been the veteran QB show. So, you know, one thing that I did hear, Chris Ballard did, he, he said he's willing to trade up for a franchise QB if he thinks he's the guy. At least we know that can possibly happen. I, I guess everything's still up in the air, Jamal, but... <laughs> got to take a QB, right? Yeah, you definitely have to. You you Gotta definitely try. have to. Man, that was a that was a loaded uh loaded thing. Everything you just said right there. You have to. There, there's no question about it. And and I mean, going back to what he said about the failures, it's all about the quarterback. It it truly is. Uh working backwards. Sam. I'm glad we're talking about him because Chris Ballard's not talking about him. There was not one, and as a journalist, as a journalist, I I have to think, and obviously neither one of us are journalists. You know, we're just just two two guys who like to talk about Colts. How was Sam not mentioned this is entire this entire time? I'm not saying that you have to go on this whole rant about Sam and and why he didn't get to play, but you would think that one person would say, "Well, Chris, you had your pick that you drafted in the sixth round with Sam. You had Nick Foles. You had Matt Ryan." You chose to let Matt Ryan and Nick Foles take the reins. You didn't want to let your quarterback that you drafted, like you said, Eric. You, I mean, he he drafted. He saw something in this guy. Whether again, not to be a starter, not to be a starter for the for the franchise, to be the face of the franchise. But he saw something in this guy. But you 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 choose not to use him or utilize him in any way, shape, or form the entire season. So I just found it interesting that no journalist even mention that and I know I, I'm I'm biased towards Sam way more than the average person but when I think of when I think of what this organization has done this year and how bad it's been why would you not take a chance with some of your weapons you know I I, 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 I just don't get that I don't get it you know why no one asks anything about Sam Ellinger why because everyone knows Sam, Sam Ellinger ain't it, Jamal. I, but like, I know, but I know, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I'm not saying that Sam is the starting quarterback. I'm saying that if I was in the meeting, I would have said, I would have asked, if you were so concerned about this, if you have been concerned about your team, which I shouldn't expect it because they wouldn't even make it. They wouldn't make a change in the offensive line. So I would expect them to make a true change at quarterback as well. I, I that that's. I mean, you have you have five other. You have 15 total linemen on the team, probably more than that, and you still let one play the entire, pretty much the entire season. Why would I expect you to let a quarterback step up when you only have two other ones on there? So I guess that's more of a rhetorical question um, than, a, than a serious question because I know the answer. I know. And, 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 and that's fine. That's fine. I know that he will never, ever, 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 ever be the face of the Colts organization. But I just like to think that, again – like you said, Chris Ballard, 
He's drafted the the he's helped draft the the Travis Kelseys, the Tyreek Hills, the the um Shaq Leonard's, the Jonathan Taylors, the Zaire Franklins in the seventh round, and the Sam Ellinger. All these other guys have got a chance to do just a little bit of something. But but not this guy. And I know that Chris Ballard has is responsible for way more than these guys. You know, I get that. We look at Nick Cross this year. We thought in the offseason he was going to be that guy. He didn't do anything. So I get it. I'm not sitting here saying that Ballard has only drafted seven players in his career and only one of the seven didn't get to play. I'm just saying that if he's a guy who likes to find these these diamonds in the rough and we're in a situation where it would be different if Matt Ryan had been balling out all season long, Yes, I would never expect you to to take him out of his element. But in a, in a situation where no one is doing good, what's the worst that can happen by letting everybody get a chance to play? There, you you can't lose anything else out of that. Well, I know he was saying, you know, he did he didn't want to give up midseason. He he was saying last year, you know, we started off one and four, ended up nine and eight, things like that. So yeah. he never wanted to take his foot off off the gas. He still had playoff hunt in his mind that that could possibly be the reason but i guess once you get towards that you know down the stretch we're you know almost mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yeah i i think at that point you see what sam ellinger is about you see if he can possibly be you know rostered next season but that's that's probably over with at least for right now Definitely. And, I, and I'm done talking about Sam for the day. So everybody, don't worry. I'm done with that. But the last thing I want to talk about, Eric, is what is going back to the actual quote to, that you brought up where he said, you know, basically paraphrasing, if he drafts someone good, we'll get praised. But as soon as they start sucking, we're going to be booing. You know, that's you You got to take that with a grain of salt because that's, that's just not all the way true. If he goes out and drafts C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, and both of those, and either of those two have a bad career. No one's gonna say, "Wow, Chris Ballard really messed up by drafting those two guys." No, that because because those guys are the the same way. Some no one's are. blaming. Some people will, but who's out here blaming the Raiders organization for for uh, drafting Jamarcus Russell? Should be. <laughs> who who? A but lot who, of people. Who, yeah, should be. Should be. But I can guarantee you, as the number one pick. Who's out here blaming the Texans for drafting Mario Williams? I mean, the, 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 when you think of these players, no one the the, the very, well, as soon as their career goes starts to go south, no one's like, "Wow, I just can't believe they would have ever wasted the number one draft pick on that." That's just not true. People are bust. I get that. People are bust, but no one's going to be coming for Chris Ballard like that. Now, when you draft, when you go pick up veterans like Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan, or 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 you draft a Sam and you put him into the start and he stinks it up all year long, then you can say, the hell was he doing? Why is he drafting this guy? That's a fair assessment. But no one's going to be coming at you sideways for drafting a first-round top-10 player and saying, I just can't believe this freaking genius draft of this person and now they suck. It doesn't work like that. That's, that's, just, that's just another cover. It's just a lie. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get criticism for whatever you do. We could have won the Super Bowl this year, and I mean, they're going to say something about the team. Yeah, so, for sure. So, somebody is some somewhere around the world is. Um, yeah, I I think at this point, with all the quarterback questions he got, I think it's in his mind that you know if he don't draft a quarterback, like they come in with pitchforks, 
torches everything at this man's house because <laughs> I I don't see any other way. He might be able to last till the second round if they really like Hennon Hooker, Cam Ward, Jaron Hall, some, some of these late later round quarterbacks. So like this is why I I presented the idea, the notion that we may we still may not take a quarterback in the first round and. I'll probably, you know, half of my brain might blow out of my head at that point because it's going to be Absolutely. That, that initial <laughs> uh, knee-jerk reaction. But I will wait till day two to see, you know, what happens, you know, what Chris Ballard's actually doing. So, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. We also are a couple months still away from the draft, so we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to jump over who. Uh, but, you know... It it, it kind of really depends on our head coach too, you know who they like, and they're gonna have some influence over the pick as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too because he he mentioned he said that, you know, basically he's not focused on the draft right now. He he doesn't care about the draft. He he is only focused on the head coach right now. And he said that he doesn't care if it takes till mid to late February to find out who the head coach is gonna be. That he he he's want he's waiting for that. But what I found really interesting about all of that was kind of they asked what was he looking for and and a head coach, and he essentially said, "You you got to throw all that out the window. You don't want to get fixated on what you think is right because when you do that, you you can possibly pass up on someone who is more qualified for the job." And I a hundred percent agree with that, hundred percent. I tried to go into every situation unbiased because. If you go in there with anything you're looking for, then you you just you shell out anybody else. So as much as I am an offensive minded person, and I think that we need an offensive minded coach, especially if we are going to be taking a quarterback this year, I understand where he's coming from. You don't want you don't want to go in there and as soon as we see a, you know, some of these defensive coordinators uh, that these from the Lions and from the Broncos or even. Um, Bubba Ventura, he got interviewed today. You know, we, he's special teams coach. We look at these people like that, and immediately, you know, if you have any bias that they're not offensive, they're out the window. And so I agree. We don't want to have that mindset. But I did find it very interesting that he said he is open to college coaches, and he does not care about experience. That That's interesting to me. For one, because it keeps the door open for the Jim Harbaugh's, who said he's not going to leave Michigan, but they do have some investigations going on in, in Michigan right now, so we have to see how that pans out. And two, I think of the no experience portion, going back to Jeff Saturday, where although Jeff Saturday has now officially gathered some NFL experience, he still doesn't have any experience. Um, and Ballard kind of talked about that when someone asked, does uh, Jeff Saturday has a le- have a leg up? And Ballard essentially said he doesn't have he doesn't have a leg up or two. Then he kind of retracted that and said, well, he has a leg up because he's been inside of the facility. He he sees the ins and outs of the facility or what he would want, but they're not going to use that to an advantage for him. So take it how you want. I I, I don't fully believe that. Um, we know how Ursay feels about him, but I just thought that the whole coaching search is going to be interesting. You already know how I feel about that. That was a conspiracy theory to tank. Um, they put Jeff Saturday in to fail, so they could fail, get a get a higher pick. That that's my theory on that. But I don't think Chris Ballard wants Jeff Saturday back. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't seem like 
I, I, I think I got from the uh, press conference that, you know, he voiced his concerns regarding Jeff Saturday. He said it was unprecedented. He said we're going to put him in a tough situation. It sounded like he said no to it, but Jim Mercer said yes. So, don't know what actually happened, but I don't think, you know, Chris Ballard is heading this this head coach search, but Jim Mercer also has the final say. I don't think Jeff Saturday will be at the top of that list, but we'll see. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you love running? Do you dream of running on a forested trail or a crowded road race? Martha Runs the World podcast is the place for you. We are about running for runners. We bring you running wisdom and inspiring stories every week. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Yeah, you're right. I don't think he'll be at the top of that list, but I'll be curious to know who is who is going to be. And he didn't go into any, any detail. He said he was not going to talk about anyone who's been interviewed or what they're what they're standing with anything. So I was glad to see he kept that. Um, but you know, once we do have a head coach again, we do have to revisit this the situation we're in right now with the quarterbacks. Um, and I kind of wanted to touch bases on that, Eric. Not so much of who we're going to draft. But kind of based off of what we were talking about earlier when he was speaking on why we kind of been in the situation that we've been in and and why we have been struggling as much. He talked about the older drafts where um, where we picked up Carson Wentz. He said that Carson Wentz, they, they were hoping that Carson Wentz would be a five, six, seven year commitment for us, essentially. Yeah. You let him go after one year. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. That that's crazy to me. You 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 anticipated him being there for this long, and you let him kick the bucket after one year. What what are your thoughts? How do you feel about that? Look, in hindsight, like was Carson Wentz better than Matt Ryan? Venture to say yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we could talk about it because. The Carson Wentz stands, we're talking about his touchdown to interception ratio. Look, if, if Matt Ryan had that this year, we'd, we'd be in the playoffs. Like, it, it's something to talk about. Uh, and then, you know, he went on and talked about QB instability. So, mm-hmm. you know, given Wentz that second year under Frank Wright, under hopefully a better, you know, more developed offense, you know, maybe different off-season additions like Stefan Gilmore and such, Unique and Gakwe. Like I I don't know. I Carson Wentz was a, you know, MVP one year. Like that that he was playing at an MVP caliber level. That was the year he got hurt. Nick Foles took over, won a Super Bowl, blah blah blah. Um we all know the story. And even though that was, you know, years ago, it yeah, he did envision him being a starter for a long time for the Colts. I don't know. It just I know everyone thinks Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback. He he didn't really play well this year, but I'm wondering, you know, that second year under under the Colts again, would, would that have done him justice? Would he have been better, more familiar with the system? Things like that. So mm-hmm. uh yeah, I 
I just I just want a quarterback to play you know, under a head coach, the same head coach, on the same team for like four to five years. Like, yeah, yeah. we we need stability at that position. We need stability at the coaching position. Like it it has to happen. Okay, nothing nothing happens overnight, man. You no, you're right, you're right. And so and so the piggyback off what he said about that then. Aggressive trades. You talked about it earlier. You said, you know, he said he's not opposed to trading now for that number one pick. But when we think about his aggressive trades, he considered. Man, you better start saying trading up, bro. Sorry, sorry, trading up. Sorry, trading up to the number one pick. My fault. I still think numerically going down, but whatever. Um, trading up to the number one pick. He said that an aggressive trade was Matt Ryan. An aggressive trade was DeForest Buckner. I'll give the DeForce uh, a an aggressive trade because the 49ers had just come off that. Well, they did they get Super Bowl the, uh, the year before when D. Yeah, they lost in Super Bowl that year that DeForest Buckner came over to the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that I'm pretty sure that's what that was. So that was an aggressive trade, yes. But Matt Ryan is an aggressive trade. I I can't venture to say that. I can't venture to say that. That that that, that was a washing machine. Um, <laughs> but when I think about that, he he really he really stood there. And used D Buck as as his focal point for everything. You know, he kind of used that as his as his gold standard. And I love DeForest Buckner. I think DeForest has been great for this organization and everything he stands for. I don't know that DeForest ever really reached his true pinnacle with us. Uh, I don't know had he would he have reached that in uh, San Francisco? Maybe with the, what they have right now in that top tier defense. Maybe, I don't know, but we're talking about him. He's comparing, he's comparing a, picking up a, a potential generational for number one pick to a DeForest Buckner. We're not talking about Aaron Donald. We're not talking about a Nick Bosa or a Joey Bosa or, or a, a TJ, um, um, uh, JJ Watt. Multiple defensive players of the year. You know what I mean? He's comparing a potential number one draft pick to DeForest. And I just, it, as as like, as a census to say that he will make an aggressive trade. I would have probably, I don't know. I just, I just, I had a hard time making that correlation to understanding the, the of or me understanding the magnitude of what it would be to be trading up to that number one pick. So I I don't I don't remember all the details of the D Buck trade and what all we gave up uh for him, but I just I I I have a hard time with it because if the only claim to fame can be that, I I, I it just it doesn't make me feel like he's gonna do what it takes to get that number one pick. If he truly wants it, I still don't think he would do what it takes to get that pick. DeForest Wagner is a great player. Oh yeah. Um I, yeah. His stats may not show it this season, but he was continuously double teamed a lot. Um, that opened up, you know, unique and Gokwake over Stewart, Quidipay. That that opened up some some stat pattern for them as well. I don't I don't want to call it stat pattern, but they were able to get to the quarterback through one v ones or things like that. Um, so I I appreciate DeForest Buckner. Um, I I would say the play he's given us. Warrants a first round pick. I mean, he he's played at a pretty elite level uh, for his position. I would say uh, it's just we haven't really seen 
the the numbers pop out at us. Um, Matt Ryan is not an aggressive trade, though, in my opinion. <laughs> so I I would have to agree with you on that. And another thing um, that I found kind of interesting was him talking about whether he still had a desire to be there, whether Chris Ballard has a desire to be there. And his response back to that is he said, I've never backed out of anything in my life. That that doesn't really answer the question if you have if you have the desire to be there. To me, it sounds like you're backed into a corner. You don't want to look like a quitter for leaving. Wait, what? what can he say to that? He can't say, no, I don't want to be here. <laughs> no, you can say, yes, I want to be here. That's true. That, that's you just, can't say that's no, simple. though. You can't say no, but you. But I, I don't know that I would say. When you say I've never backed out of anything in my life, to me that tells me that I I personally feel like you don't you ha- you're dealing with what's at hand because you don't want to be a quitter. You don't want to be known as a quitter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to be here in the discussion, and then you can say I've never backed out of anything in my life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But just just if you flip flop the way it is, then I think it makes a world of difference. And of course, all of this up into interpretation. I'm gonna be extra critical on Ballard, as you know. Just because I, I I I don't agree with a lot that's going on, but I just feel like his with his track record being as bad as it's been for this for this past couple of years with the quarterback situations because we've just continued to band-aid it up. I mean, I I I feel like if Ballard were to get let go today, what team would he have value for? When we look at the Colts' demise over the past three years, it's just continuously gone down deeper into the gutter. How, what what value does he show for another organization? So when I when he says, I've never backed out anything in my life. I think I look at it more as any. He, he said he gets off from it or whatever he said. I mean, if you got off from it, then you'll be doing the things to put us in the right position to win. First and foremost, um, second off, I just feel like his his stock. I'm not saying it will always remain down, but I would say that over the if you look over his past five years, it has gone down tremendously. And he's in a situation where he has to fix it. If you want to build your name and your reputation back up, you don't have a choice but to stay here and fix it as long as you're allowed to versus you wanting to actually be here to fix it. You are your your back is against the wall to fix it because you have to continue to create a name for yourself to remain in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna argue with anything you say. I there's a lot of things he has to say, or else, you know, he'll be under scrutiny for. So there's there's just some things, you know, he he's got to say, he's got to still have that public image, even though he was cursing a lot, you know, in the on on that conference. But it, yeah, it the things that really stood out to me is you know what he's gonna do with the head coach, what he's gonna do during the draft, how does he feel about the season, you know, things like that. So you know when he says. Something like that. I, I don't get too worked up over it like he did. Yeah, I'm biased. I'm biased. Um, the last thing that I personally that I have to talk about, um, you know, and we can talk about anything else you have, though. But the last thing I have was just when they asked if, if Michael Pittman Jr. was a true wide receiver one. I, I found that very interesting because he he sidestepped that question hard because when they asked about Jonathan Taylor and his new contract as elite running back, he didn't hesitate. He said, well, I'm not going to go into details of the contract, but he made it clear that JT, when you have an elite running back, as he said, X, Y, Z. But he sidestepped the Michael Pittman Jr. question. He said something along the lines of, what constitutes a wide receiver one? 
someone who can go down the field and make a huge play every play. That that no, that you didn't answer the question. Just say whether or not you think he's a true wide receiver one, the same way you think JT is a running back one. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, he's a good guy for not going after any of his players, but you're right. I mean, you can take a lot from his statements about Michael Pittman. There's obviously questions about whether he can perform at that wide receiver one status. And I think it was evident in a lot of games that it, it's questionable at this point. And I mean, if, you, if you're asking me, I, you, you can find value at wide receiver. Uh, you, <laughs> Chris Ballard is good at finding value. That's one position you can find value at. I like, agree 100%. There's a lot of first-round picks, wide receivers that have, that have turned out well. You know, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, um, who else am I thinking? Of? Chris Olave, just people like that. But then there's also like I was just talking about Tyree Kill, got Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf. I mean, there's you can find receivers in in any round. So it's <laughs> I, I hope. I really hope they don't pay him an egregious amount of money. I'm going to just yeah. be honest. Um, yeah. at, at this point, I don't see it. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe a better quarterback unlocks his potential more, but then I, I remember seeing a lot of those drops, uh, his, his lackluster speed, things like that. It, it popped out to me this season. Uh, wide receiver one's kind of pushing it. I agree. I agree. What else you want to talk about, then? Anything else you have? I said, I know man. I kind of stole it from you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Talk your stuff. But I can tell you next episode, you know, we've been talking about head coaches. That's what we're going to get into next episode. We, we are going to talk about the head coach search. Um, you know, something could pop up tomorrow and not on the weekend. We're, we're going we're gonna to break down those candidates that have been interviewed talk about who we like who we don't like things like that so you guys stick with us it's gonna be a long off season real long but we're ready we're ready so that that's gonna be it for us everyone thank you for listening to the colts cast we're live on apple podcast spotify youtube or any platform you use to listen to podcasts we'll be back next time to give you some more indianapolis colts content y'all take care take care